Amen. Will you join me in prayer? Almighty God, we thank you so much. And we truly sing how great thou art. Because you are the great one. You are the only one deserving of our glory and praise. And Lord, today we bring that to you in worship and through your word. We bring you that praise. We honor you. We glorify you. And we thank you for being our Savior. We thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. And we pray this morning, uh, through the name of Jesus Christ, that you would speak to us through worship, through your word, that you would touch our hearts and our minds, and that you would begin the process of making us more like you so that we can become the men and women of God that you have called us to be. So, Lord, thank you. We praise you. And we lift all of these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Good morning. We are starting a brand new series this morning in the book of Philippians. So I want you to take your Bibles and I want you to go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter 1. Uh, if you're grabbing one of the pew Bibles that's in the back of the pew, uh, the leather-bound Bibles, it's on page 668. If it's a paperback that you're grabbing, it's on page 551. Uh, and so that's an easy way to find that book. The book of Philippians, New Testament, uh, last third to fourth of your book. Uh, so find your way to Philippians chapter 1. Now, we're beginning a new series uh, on this book. And this book is a letter that was written by Paul. And it was to the church that was located in the city of Philippi. Now, Philippi was a very prominent city in this day and time. It was one of the very few cities that was actually a Roman colony. And if you look up and if you go back into the history of, of biblical times and the Roman Empire, a Roman colony got certain uh, um, uh, rewards, they got certain luxuries that other cities within the Roman Empire did not get. Uh, one of the things that they would do is if you were a Roman soldier, a Roman soldier would earn his way into becoming a Roman citizen. And as a Roman citizen, you had certain rights that other Roman people or other people within the Roman Empire did not have. But one of the things that the Roman Empire would do is if you were a soldier and you had earned your citizenship, the Roman Empire would actually pay and settle you in one of their colonies. So Philippi was one of the cities where Roman soldiers would go and live their lives after they had retired out of the army and had become citizens of the Roman Empire. It was a major tra uh, trade route. It had begun as a, a mining town. Um, and had become very wealthy, and then the, the mines kind of dried up. But because it had become such a, a major path of commerce, it remained a very prominent and wealthy city, even though the way it started had kind of stopped. The mines had dried up. So you can read about how the church in Philippi began in Acts chapter 16. Uh, and I'll just give you a little preview. Paul ends up going to Philippi because he receives a vision from God of a man asking for him to come to a certain region. He had plans to go to a different area. He receives this vision and instead goes to a different area of the world. And he ends up in the city of Philippi. And in Philippi, we find out in Acts 16 that the church in Philippi begins with a Jewish woman, a slave girl, and a jailer, a prison guard. Uh, and you can read about how that takes place, but 
it was a broad spectrum of different people that ended up beginning and, and being the foundational start of the church in Philippi. This was a diverse church, and Paul had a very dear place in his heart for this church. He loved this church. This church actually would send him money and food and assistance uh, when he was traveling or when he was in prison. And when he writes this book, it's believed that he was actually in prison as he wrote this letter to the church in Philippi. And so the Philippi church, the Philippian church, was very, very important to Paul. Both, both emotionally and theologically, he sends help to that church um, to help them along. So, the major theme, there are lots of themes in the book of Philippians, but the major themes that you're going to find are faith and joy. Uh, I've heard it taught that the, Philipp, the book of Philippians is actually the jo- book of joy. Uh, and so you find that, that common theme. And so our series is actually speaking about joyful focus. And so for the next eight weeks, we're going to walk step by step through the book of Philippians. And we're going to talk about what godly joyful focus looks like by looking at what Paul writes to the church in Philippi. So... Let's take our Bibles and let's look at how he begins this book. So Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. It says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, He's going to go into a discussion about how he feels. So, uh, verse 3. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Verse 7. It is right for me to feel this way about you all. Since I have you in my heart, and whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Now this is where we're going to focus, verse 9 through 11. It says this, And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now, I want you to notice something here. Paul is telling us, how to grow in Christ. He's got certain steps, certain elements of what growing in faith actually looks like. Now, I've got one statement that I want you to remember, and I'm bringing, bringing that statement on the front end of my message this morning. So if you're someone who takes notes, I want you to write down this one sentence. This is what I want you to be able to remember throughout this week uh, and live by it, and it's this. Faith is less about membership and more about relationship. Faith is less about membership and more about relationship. So 
I'm married. I've been married to a beautiful, wonderful wife. Her name's Jana. We've been married just over 14 years. We have two kids. And I love my wife. But can I maintain my love for my wife if I don't maintain a healthy relationship with her? No. I can go home and we can live under the same roof. That does not mean I have a good relationship with my wife. Living in the same house does not necessarily equal having a good, loving relationship. As a matter of fact, sometimes living in the same house makes it hard to love that person, right? Don't look over at your spouse. I'm watching you. But the fact is, is that having the same address does not make me have a good relationship. Having a ring on my finger does not make me have a good relationship with my wife. Having this ring on my finger is not what gives my relationship strength. This ring is a symbol. Okay, we share our last name. Does having the same last name give me a strong relationship with my wife? No. Relationship, faith, is less about membership and much, much more about relationship. So what does give my marriage strength? What does make my marriage strong? Well, it's those relational aspects. It's communication. If I go home and I never speak a word to Jana, we're going to have a tough relationship, aren't we? If I go home and I never say the words, I love you, I'm probably going to have a pretty rough relationship. If I don't do things for her to show her my affection, I'm probably going to have a difficult relationship. If I don't intentionally, continually, constantly try and get to know her better, my relationship is probably going to suffer with her. And so the fact is, is that we can take that idea of having a relationship with another person and we can apply a lot of those truths to our relationship with Christ. So let's look at what Paul says about some of these things. In the passage, Paul begins by talking about prayer. So look at verse 9 with me. In verse 9 he says, and this is my prayer. This entire passage, verses 1 through 11, is all about praying. If you go back into verse 7, he goes, or not verse 7, if you go back and talk about what he says in verses 3 and 4, I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for you. Paul is constantly bringing up this aspect of prayer. Well, what is prayer? It's talking with God, isn't it? It's relational. It's a relationship, a seeking to, to have the ear of God so that we can talk with Him and maybe He can talk back with us. And so prayer is an essential part of our relationship with Jesus Christ. So go back to my statement again. Faith is, more about, is less about membership and more about relationship. You could be a member of this church and never say a single prayer to God. Does that mean that you have a healthy relationship with Jesus Christ? No, as a matter of fact, it means you have a pretty pitiful relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's a strong statement, but let's be honest. The Bible makes it clear that prayer should be a foundation of how we live our life with Christ. 
I mean, think about Jesus' life. Jesus lived. He was the Son of God. He was God in the flesh. And what did he spend the vast majority of his time doing? Praying. He would go often, according to God's Word, he would often go and spend hours by himself in prayer. He almost did it on a daily basis from what we see in God's Word. So prayer is so essential to a healthy faith with Christ. It's that relational aspect to growing in Jesus. So he talks about prayer. And then look with me in verse 9. Look at what he says. He says, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So he's saying, I want you to grow in love, but where does that love come from? That love comes from knowledge and depth of insight. In other words, our love from Christ comes from getting to know him better. As I get to know Jana more and more and more, my love for her should grow more and more and more. Now, knowledge of Jesus is essential for us. And I, you go, oh, well, that's a no-brainer. But we live in a society today that knows very little about God and his word. Uh, if you read the studies, if you read the surveys of, of how often people read or study their word uh, or, or know what the Bible actually has to say, we live in a biblically illiterate society. People don't know what this book says anymore. And so this is not so much a statement that we can blow off and just say, oh yeah, knowledge of God, that's important, because we're not doing that as Americans anymore. We're not reading our Bibles so let me kind of give you an idea of why this is so important for us to know God's Word. Let's say you get done with church today, and you go out to eat somewhere, and you're sitting at the restaurant, and you're, you're talking about the sermon, you're going, oh yeah, the sermon by Pastor Chad, it was awful, it was terrible, oh, he's so boring, oh, and somebody in the pew next to you, I know what you people say, I'm just kidding. But somebody in the pew next to you or in the, in the booth next to you goes, oh, hey, I didn't mean to eavesdrop, but I hear you talking about Pastor Chad Merle. I love that guy. I met him so-and-so, blah, blah, blah. And they start telling you about Pastor Chad Merle. And they describe a six-foot-six guy with long, flowing, blonde hair and ugly as can be. They're probably not talking about me, right? Do you see what I jumped in, what I threw in there? Yeah, okay. So... But the fact is, is if they say they know me, but they describe someone who is towering tall with long hair, clearly they're not talking about me because I have never been tall and I have never had long hair. Clearly. <laughs> the fact is, is we do the same thing with God many times though, especially as a culture. We live in a culture today that says, well, God is all about love. So as long as there's love, it's godly. No, that's not what the Bible says. Is God a loving God? Yes. Paul mentions it here in this passage in the very beginning of Philippians. But if you take the other attributes of God and remove them, you're not worshiping God anymore. You're worshiping somebody else. And that's what our American society has begun to do. They've taken God's love and said that's the only thing that matters. When in reality, God's word says that he's a jealous God as well. And he's a God of wrath. And he's a God of judgment. 
Now, those are part of his perfect love, but we can't remove those attributes of him because then we don't worship the God of the Bible anymore. We worship something that we've made up. So that's why knowing God's word is so important, why it's so essential, is because if we don't know what the Bible has to say about God, we're worshiping or we, we get in danger of worshiping something that we've made up that's not in actuality, not in truthfulness, God at all. It's like knowing me and thinking that I'm six foot six with long blonde hair. That's how we have to know God's Word. That's why we have to know God's Word, is so that we know who He is. But look at what Paul says right here. So, verse 9, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. And look what he says why. Look at the reason why he wants wants us to do this. So that you may be able to discern what is best. Did you catch that? Without knowledge of God, we can't understand what God wants, what God's best is for our lives. So we have to make sure that God's Word and prayer is a core part, is a foundational part of how we walk with Christ. But then look at what it says next. It says, verse 10, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Jesus wants us to be pure and blameless. He wants us to live a life that honors him because here's the reality. Christ is going to come back one day, isn't he? And there's gonna, when that day comes, I don't know about you, but I want to be ready. You know, Jesus gives the parable uh, in, in the Gospels where these uh, brides, uh, bridesmaids, these, these women who are attending the bride and the groom, are waiting patiently for the groom to come to take the bride. And as they're waiting, some of them foolishly light their lamps and wait with their lamps going, and they burn off all their oil. And when the bridegroom comes, they're not prepared. They didn't discern what was best. They didn't understand what they were supposed to be doing. And so they turned to the bridesmaids that still had oil left over, and they were like, he's coming. Can you let us borrow some of your oil? And the other bridesmaids go, no, we kept it because we knew that was what was best. God wants us to have his knowledge so that we can discern what is best, so that we can be ready for that day when Jesus comes. That glorious, amazing day when everything is fulfilled, when Jesus' death on the cross to save us from our sins, when that moment comes to fruition. And those of us who know Jesus and live our lives in the discernment of Christ are ready for his coming. But listen closely. We can't be ready if we don't understand him and his word. That's what Philippians 1 actually says to us. He wants us, Paul wants us to be ready because we've got the love of Christ that comes from the knowledge of knowing Jesus and studying and knowing him more so that we can know what's best. So ultimately, we have to grow and we have to learn through prayer, through knowing God. We go to that place. We understand who he is. 
And then lastly, in verse 11, Paul speaks about the fruit of righteousness. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here because this is another phrase that Paul uses for the fruit of the Spirit. He uses multiple phrases throughout his letters to describe these aspects of godly lifestyle. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. They're right up here on the stained glass window. And Paul refers to them over and over and over again through all of his letters. And that's what he's saying here. We're supposed to be living our lives, discerning what is best, living a pure and blameless life through the fruit of righteousness. And so ultimately, you see the progression here. We pray, we understand who he is, and through that understanding, we're able to discern what is best. And through discerning what is best, we're able to live a pure and blameless life because we live in the fruit of righteousness. But look at what the conclusion of this is. Look at verse 11, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, but why? To the glory and praise of God. The purpose, the ultimate reason for our lives has nothing to do with you and I. And when we take God's word and we make it about us, we've misunderstood, we've not discerned God's best. Because ultimately, the fruit of righteousness, the knowledge of God, living in purity and blamelessness, all of those aspects, our prayers are not about us. They're about bringing praise and glory to God. It's all about pointing back to Jesus. Everything we do, every aspect of our life should be a pointing of our lives saying we are going we're pointing, we're directing other people to Him. Our lives should be so pure and blameless and so filled with the fruit of righteousness that people see that and want what we have. They should see that we're different, that there's something unique in a beautiful way that brings them back to Jesus Christ. So here's my question for this morning. With the statement this morning being, faith is less about membership and more about relationship. Where do you need to work on your relationship? How is your prayer? Well, let me give you something that I think we need to be doing. Coming up in the next few weeks, I'm going to begin a couple of prayer groups that are going to meet during different times during the week. Because First Southern should be a church of prayer. First Southern should be a church where people gather together and cry out to God. First Southern should be a church who focuses more on the relationship and asking God what He wants for our church than about anything else. Because again, our knowledge of God is important. But if there's no love for God in that knowledge, we're missing the point. And so prayer is going to become an aspect of the lifestyle, the livelihood of this church. So is prayer where you're lacking? Maybe it's the knowledge of God. Maybe prayer is, is there, but maybe you don't study your Bible very much. Well, something else that's going to be coming down the line. Starting next week, um, I'm going to include a set of questions 
and Bible passages that you can study throughout the week based off of the sermon that you hear on Sunday morning. Something easy for you to wake up, you open up your kitchen sink, and bam, you've got a question or a set of questions to think through your day and a passage that you can read and focus on for that day. Because God's Word also needs to be an essential foundational life part of this church. So, what else? What about your lifestyle? Do you live with purity and blamelessness? Well, that comes through prayer and knowing God's Word. And so hopefully through what we're doing as a church to grow together as men and women of God, hopefully that will spur us and help us grow in the purity and the blamelessness that God calls us to. And of course, when that comes along, also comes the fruit of righteousness so that we can live our lives in love and joy and we can be people of peace and patience, etc., as you go through the entire line of the fruit of the Spirit, fruit of righteousness. So, does your life point people to God? What aspect of your life can you improve on, can I improve on, so that we can bring the glory and the praise to God that He desires? Will you join me in prayer? Almighty God, we thank you so much for today. And Lord, my prayer this morning, more than anything, is that we would hear the prayer that Paul had for the Philippians. That we would hear his desire for the Philippian church to pray, to know you. That the Philippian church would be able to discern what is best because they do know who you are. That ultimately through all of that, that they would live a pure and blameless life. We pray that we can do that. And that we would live out the fruit of righteousness. So Lord, we thank you. And we pray that our lives would bring glory and praise to your name. We thank you, Lord. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. We're going to have a time of response now. And if you're here and you need to spend some time in prayer after the worship and the word, um, we open up the altar to you. You're welcome to come up and spend some time praying here this morning. Or if you need to talk with someone, maybe you want to know what a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ looks like, and you would like to talk about that or maybe even begin a, a relationship with Jesus, uh, myself and Pastor Josh are going to be here on the front pew, uh, and we would love to have you come talk to us. So let's stand and respond in praise and glory to our Father.